got the algorithm. You got people worrying way too much about who is seeing their post, getting the likes, getting the engagement, the commentary, the reposts. That's where the concern is for most people that produce content. But not everything on LinkedIn is about the vanity metrics. It's really about getting the right views from people. And that's where the energy should be spent. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by success. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is this desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, J.D. J.D., thank you so much for being here with us today. It's as if I never left from the first show we taped. I'm back. <laughs> Same seat. What? No way. What a coincidence. There so, you go. But but I have changed my clothes since then, I assure okay. you. I'm glad to hear that. So for those who haven't seen the other show, give us a 5,000 foot view of who you are and what exciting projects you're working on. Well, I greet you and your viewers slash listeners from the greater Chicago area uh, where I grew up. And I've been running a company since 2006 called Owlish Communications. Actually been running it since the 1980s when it was a traditional marketing agency. And, and now it's a specialty boutique consultancy regarding LinkedIn. So I've been in the LinkedIn sandbox since 2006. Watch the site evolve, been there with every change. I've changed right along there with it, and I can certainly speak to its transformational power. In fact, I'm speaking to it right now as we speak. <laughs> and we will, even more. So what made you decide on LinkedIn as a thing? It was destiny, man. I mean, I leaned over to see a couple of colleagues looking at it uh, back in the, in the winter of 2006. And that night when I went home and created my account, I was smitten and mm -hmm. just never shut up about it. And within a very short time, somewhere around a week, I had transitioned from my traditional marketing practice to a consultancy solely focused on LinkedIn. Cool. What was it that made LinkedIn so sexy? You know, I was introduced to social media by my daughters, uh, got onto Facebook, and uh, when they didn't accept my friend invitations and hung me out to dry, <laughs> I had to look in other directions. Uh, social media was nowhere near as developed as, as it is right now. Obviously, back then, uh, it, it, it looked very archaic compared to what it looks like today, and LinkedIn just appealed to me the way I was hardwired. It was around the business conversation. I was writing websites at the time I saw it. So I leveraged it to try to get clients for my uh, for my business. But at the time back then, think of if, if I can take you back in a time machine, it had really been firmly etched as a uh, 
a job seeker site and it was going up against the monster.coms and the careerbuilder.com. So it really wasn't established as a business development site. And I'd like to think I was a pioneer in that area because to my knowledge, I was one of the first people in the world to offer LinkedIn profile writing as a service and did so for salespeople, for executives, for business owners, not people looking for jobs, at least not right away. Right. So what are some of the tricks that LinkedIn does that the other girls just don't perform as well? (laughs) Tricks? Do they do? Does does LinkedIn do tricks? You know, it's interesting because sometimes, in fact, most times, I just kick back, let my eyes go into soft focus and just receive what the site is giving me because there are enough people on it right now as we sit here and tape um, in the first few days of 2023 where everybody's kind of bringing their own attitude to it. Uh, It's kind of come this uh, big sponge to absorb all the shock in our daily lives now. truly does hold a mirror up to the human condition. And you see so many people talking about non-business things on LinkedIn. It's mm. uh, It kind of does raise the eyebrows and furrow the brow a little as to why they would volunteer some of this information, kind of like the TMI syndrome. But you know what? To their credit, they're expressing themselves. They're exposing a little bit more of themselves. They're revealing themselves to people in ways that business people traditionally never did. Absolutely. And and I welcome that with open arms, even if it is too much information sometimes. sometimes. At least you tried. You put it out there. Uh, sometimes. So what what are some of the things that people should be putting out there that they haven't been? And they're going like, nah, I'm not putting that out there. You know, I think we've all kind of established our own personal boundaries there. And I know there are things that I don't touch. Uh, certainly the politics and religion aspect, I I I leave well enough alone, so to speak, and I would never, ever post anything like that. Um, Nothing incendiary, nothing inflammatory, nothing that offends people. I think we know right now how sensitive that 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 human experience is. You know, I have a podcast called Happy to Offend You, right? (laughs) Well, I'm happy to listen to it at some point. I mean, you know, look, uh, I've I've got a very well-developed id that's controlling my ego very well. And I'm refraining from all of those impulsive behaviors that sometimes people don't refrain from. And you see it more on Facebook. You certainly see it on Facebook. Uh, You see it on Instagram. You you see it on TikTok. Um, and, And I think LinkedIn has appealed to the sensibilities of the business community because, again, it's around professional conversations, meaningful conversations that are designed to uh, elevate profiles in the business world, advance careers, build businesses. I mean, you you don't want to get too silly. You don't want to do material on LinkedIn, you know. So I assume it's it's based more on what you do for a living as, you know, if you wouldn't do it as part of your business criteria, then you're not going to do it as part of your LinkedIn profile as kind of some, to use a bowling analogy, as your gutters on either side, just so you know what this no, right you, is. No, you, you really, yes, you really do need to keep some things close to the vest. I mean, I, there's no LinkedIn police out there, although there should be. LinkedIn certainly doesn't vigilantly monitor its site, but uh, if people do enough bad behavior. It gets noticed. It gets talked about. You can be phased out or glossed over and reported to LinkedIn. Certainly, if you cross the lines and you're into areas like uh, sexual harassment uh, or or hate 
or right. or racist commentary that's 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 going to go out there and the usual i don't think rights. you want that going out there <laughs> nobody wants that going out there right, right? Well, the usual your rights end where my rights begin <laughs> of course <laughs> like, of course you, you can say whatever you want when you want of as long as i'm not yes my rights yes. aren't being taken away from that i mean i can absolutely yes. totally appreciate that so yes. what are some of the things that people should be doing on profiles? Because I know a lot of them become really stagnant because they're going, oh, they did that. I'll do that. And then everybody starts doing the same thing, thinking those are the lines that they should be walking. I can only answer that, Michelle, by saying I know what I should do on my profile. And when I put myself in that mindset of where I was in 2006, when I discovered LinkedIn, the first profile I brought to the, the platform was created fresh for LinkedIn. I figured if I could create this pool of information, this, this reference point on myself that would motivate people to investigate me further, go to my websites, go to my other points on social, then here I, I would set myself up as, as, as on this page as a hub of, of information and marketing collateral. And that's really where I still am with it today. It is our first point of reference in the business universe and we should tend to it. We should make it appealing and welcoming and not hit people over the head with a sales pitch. I mean, 99 out of 100 sales uh, profiles I review are sales pitches. Uh, there's nothing underlying. There's zero storytelling. I have no, no window into the world of these people other than they want to sell me a product or service. And, and it's annoying at this point. If you're going to sell these days, as we all know, people are buying your story. But who are the people who are bold enough to tell it in a way that's compelling, in a way that's impelling, that, that, that moves people, that spurs people to take the next steps with you? And sometimes that's not so much a call to action as it is just kind of laying yourself out there in a way where you seem palatable and real and you're not embellishing yourself. And that's what I do. That's, that's how I write profiles. That's how I teach the art of profile writing is create a narrative, find a psychological narrative that works for you, wrap yourself around it and put yourself out there as the protagonist of that story. Nice. So we don't want anything that resembles profiling, but we do want to have Correct. some aspect of a personality. So what tends to be kind of the areas when you're working with somebody, what kind of things are you looking for that, that you would incorporate into a story? When I find that moment of clarity where I hear things three, four, five times during my process and I take copious notes, I'm a journalist by trade. So I, I believe that good journalism skills are essential to the craft of LinkedIn profile writing because you got to listen. You got to be taking in what, what your subject is giving you. And once I hear things mentioned several times, I'm, I'm on it. I highlight it and I come back to it. And if it's repeated, it finds its way into the profile and things that don't find their way into the profile. Typically when someone says, Hey, JD, don't include that in my profile. Uh, I, I kind of take the hint. I, I get it, so to speak, okay, but, that one's out. <laughs> but I also am, am wise enough through the years as the wise owl that I am to incorporate things that advance the conversation that, that will generate interest in, in my subject. That's what, the functionality of the profile truly is, is to create interest and generate demand on you. Nice. Well, and I have noticed in my experience that the earlier 
people were born, the less apt they are to talk about <laughs> things that aren't business. Well, I don't want to say they're not business related, but it, it's kind of, it's <clears> opening <throat> the curtains and you get to see, you know, uh, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtains. And they're like, no, we don't want to see the Wizard of Oz behind the curtains. Whereas the younger generation tends to just kind of go, yeah, that's me. Hey, <laughs> what? Well, there's your Instagram generation and your TikTok generation and everybody bearing all. And, you know, no story is too taboo at this point. And, and, and that's where kind of like the elder statesmen of LinkedIn, the baby boomers, the people who are uh, maybe who have maybe come from siloed corporate careers, they, they will never do things like that, nor, uh, nor, sh nor do they feel others should. So I think that, again, it's about finding the happy medium again a business platform, mm -hmm. a corporate platform, uh, a politically correct platform. You don't ruffle feathers on this site. And that's where LinkedIn separates from any of the other uh, sites on social media. So I really want to crack this egg just a little bit so that somebody can see. I thought we were done cracking it. I thought the egg was out. I no, really did. You, you want to go deeper. huh? <laughs> you want to go deeper. All what right. can I do? Do I say, you know, is it about how we do our business process and, you know, what are we doing in front at our desks all day? Is it about, you know, do I really like wearing glasses? Do I like wearing a tie? Does anybody care? Like what is something that somebody might actually be interested in? I have no that idea. I'm not exposing. I have no freaking Incredible. idea. I, I have seen, I have seen stuff that for the life of me, Michelle, I mm -hmm. cannot understand how this gets the engagement it does um i, I really <laughs> don't on that one and, and then i see stuff that should be getting viral spread that just dies on the vine there's seemingly no rhyme or reason you've got the algorithm you got people worrying way too much about who is seeing their post getting the likes getting the engagement the commentary the reposts that's where the concern is for most people that produce content but not everything on LinkedIn is about the vanity metrics. It's really about getting the right views from people. And that's where the energy should be spent is creating a portfolio of content that is really targeted, if you will, for lack of a better term, for the people who you're going to serve, the people who are going to hire you, the people who you're going to one day maybe sit across the table from in an interview for a job. Uh, so that's why you do have to uh, produce media in such a way where you don't ruffle feathers, where it does come back to you. You're accountable for everything you do on the site. Mm. Right. Well, you know me, I like ruffling feathers. So <laughs> occasionally, well, that's the thing about style. So I, I kind of <laughs> cultivate this persona of a style guide on LinkedIn. I am the Which LinkedIn I style guide. And so, look, you have to know the, the rules before you break them. Fair enough. I will concur. So um, the things, so finding your ideal clientele and having that conversation, because I know that I've had people come up to me and say, oh, I noticed your post on blah, but there were no likes mm -hmm. on it. There were no comments, there were no shares on it. So I know <laughs> it was, it was a completely um, kind of a voyeur experience for them where they would watch the post and see what's going on and then kind of take their own action. So it's not that nobody sees it just because it's not getting that interaction is potentially that the right people are seeing it and uh, and that's what's people, going on with those people see it people see your, what you're doing out there not everybody but a, a, a huge swath of your network will see what you're doing especially if you're regular 
mm-hmm. and and posting content, uh, parsing yourself out there at, at intervals. So they will see it. The question is, why aren't they? Why aren't they engaging on it? Why aren't they liking it? I, I think it's a great psychological study. And one that I would like to write about is people who love you. They'll look you in the eye or in the webcam and they'll tell you how great you are. Michelle, you're great. I see you out there all the time on LinkedIn. You're just killing it. And then crickets, man. It's like your posts fall into the canyon, into the void, into the abyss. And you never hear from these people, but they're seeing it. I hear it all the time. JD, great post the other day. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, gee, you could have liked it. You could have said something. <laughs> right. And and not just yeah. great post, JD, but just, you know, <laughs> something, something a little bit, you know, deeper than that. Well, commentary too, with insight. Right. Well, and I think to have a commentary with insight, one needs to know how to articulate their thoughts. And I don't mm-hmm. know how yes. really good people are at articulating their thoughts. I mean, I think... Yeah. For myself, I kind of had to blurt. <laughs> the pendulum had to swing before I could pull it back in um, because it was too used to censoring everything I said. And then I just went, I'm not censoring anything I say. And then I went, oh, there's probably a happy meme in here somewhere. Yeah. And I think that's the default behavior patterns that come up. Uh, people don't know what to say. Uh, yeah. And some of the content that comes out on LinkedIn is so overtly self-promotional. What can you say? other than great post uh, or congratulations or (laughs) kudos or great (laughs) reminders or spot on, you know, and that's the kind of non-engagement engagement that just peppers the the homepage feed. You see that on pretty much every post, especially if it's someone talking about how cool they are and what they've just accomplished and that they're going here or there, they're doing this or they're, they're keynoting or the book is doing great. I mean, you know, it's, it's look at me. It's very, (laughs) Hey, (laughs) megalomania. I mean, you know, it's, it's running rampant on LinkedIn. So what are some of the things that people can do to make it more engaging without the expectation of engagement uh, to kind of draw people in? I try to have a little fun, Uh, certainly a compelling visual. And I I've said this on many occasions, and that is, we're visual learners, the eye is drawn. It takes a lot to get people to stop scrolling and check out what you're putting out there. It really does at this stage because we're we're almost in terms of Maslow's unconscious competence, we're just we're just scrolling through, scrolling through, scrolling through, scrolling through. Oh, well, this looks cool. And if you can keep people there and you can keep them consistently coming back to your work, that's a win on LinkedIn. That's cutting through the clutter, rising above the noise, if you will. But most people can't or don't or won't. And they kind of just put very vapid, banal stuff out there. And kudos to them for having a voice. And I applaud the voice. But the stakes are going up in all of social media. You've got to have something special if it is a goal to elevate your profile and capture in the interest of potential clients or employers. So I'll come back to that because I think it's an important part, especially in the advent of AI and all of its intrusion on software. Okay. um, Let's go with, give me an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. Nothing like putting me on the spot, huh? Okay, I'll let let you answer either question. We can either go into... (laughs) You want the transformational power stories (laughs) other other than my own, right? Other than the one that that 
catapulted me to, mm -hmm. to worldwide fame. Um, you, you know, I think everybody has their, their private victories and mm -hmm. it's success stories are written on LinkedIn every day, even away from my eyes. And, and I hear it because I see it and I acknowledge its presence that this is the platform that really changes lives on Facebook, on some of the other platforms you can connect with relatives my, my my wife connected with a cousin that she hadn't known in decades, and it was a Facebook miracle, really. But on LinkedIn, the ability to go from something you casually observe into a connection, into a conversation, receive a job offer, and then go on and have the time of your life, that is powerful, man. That is that's impressive. And that's what I what I like to hear. Many of my clients are scratching and clawing to just try to get one client and take a lot of what we do for granted out there in the digital world. But the challenge is to make yourself compelling. We all hear it, everybody. If I, if I see one more blog or article on seven steps to writing a killer LinkedIn profile, I just might hemorrhage. But invariably, each one of them will say, create a compelling LinkedIn profile. And you're, okay, that's all I have to do? Create a compelling LinkedIn profile? Well, here I go, ready to compel. It's not that easy. It's work. And I think that the win comes from the acknowledgement that you have work, that you have rendered yourself well on the profile. You're being researched well. You're drawing positive attention to yourself. And you're getting into these conversations that hold promise. And we all know what those are. You're feeling it. You're on a Zoom call with someone that you just connected with on LinkedIn, and suddenly you're talking about collaborating and co-creating. That's how we got here, you and I, mm -hmm. and just kind of magnify that. I have clients who communicate to me that their profile has gotten them the gig. Nice. That's the heroic aspect of my work. I'm, I'm into the molecular building blocks of decision-making with the work I do. I'm teeing people up for the outcomes they want, because they're being referenced and researched well on a site that has proven itself to be the first go-to in the business world on people. Nice, love that. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody would be having right now, whether they're struggling with their LinkedIn, they're not getting the interactions that they want, or what, what kind of things are happening for them that they're thinking, oh my God, JD, I need you so badly. You got a lot of inhibitive forces out there. Uh, you got a lot of imposter syndrome behaviors seeping in. You've got a lot of comparison syndrome, comparative itis, as it's called. You've got perfectionist syndrome. You've got people who, uh, who are laying back because of whatever reason. A lot of anxiety, depression, social dissociative types of disorders. Uh, and I think that impedes progress. It doesn't allow people to be their full and natural selves on a site like LinkedIn. Plus, again, to our points that we've already raised, they don't know how to communicate on a site for business. So I think that's really a stumbling block for people. They've got to get over their own selves. Um, thought partnership uh, in my engagements is geared toward that. Um, uh, imposter syndrome was, you'd be hard pressed to find an article about imposter syndrome, say 10 years ago. Uh, a decade ago, but now it, it seems to be coming up in a lot of, of work that consultants do. And a lot of motivational posts are, are there to deal with, with imposter syndrome. Mental illness in general, you've got burnout. 
a lot of people are burned out. The great migration, everybody's shifting jobs and shifting values and shifting paradigms and everybody's in flux. And the, there's this kind of stabilizing calm that comes from clarity. And if we could only produce that clarity and that's a problem for many people and that's what causes the stress. Yeah, and I, I see that a lot with people, especially when they start to get frustrated because they're not, the idea isn't coming together for them yet. They can mm -hmm. articulate it, but even when they articulate it, they're seeing that articulation through their own filters and they're not seeing when they get excited. They're not seeing what drives them. They're not seeing, <laughs> they're, yeah. they think they're telling the same story. It's like, that was not the same story as that one. That one is way more fun to listen to. We got to get yeah. that one, you know, in front of the public. So I think being able to tell their story to you and as, especially as a journalist, to be able to draw those things out that make things entertaining. Right. Because um, I watched a documentary once, which I thought was fascinating about um, people that didn't think they had an interesting story. And then mm -hmm. a journalist team went out to say, okay, we're going to find these stories. And we're going to make a documentary out of anybody. So we'll collect a bunch of stories, throw them in a hat, pull that one out and let's go tell the story and the stories were fascinating <laughs> yeah people that don't think they have a story to tell like and it I, was awesome. i never thought anybody gave a rat's ass about my story coming in because i i never had an opportunity to tell it and i think that the the movement towards storytelling which i i would have to kind of say originated around 2017 2018 a little bit before the pandemic we started seeing storytelling coaches come on the scene for gosh sakes people who could help you tell your story and then marketing shifted i i, I was quoted as saying storytelling is the new marketing well that's what marketing has basically been since the dawn of communication anytime anybody sold anything and the first people who sold pelts had a story to tell oh how'd you get the pelt well throw another log on the fire and let me tell you so I think we're all trying to sell our pelts and we're all trying to find the story that makes um, makes ourselves compelling, to use a word from a few moments ago. What compels people? People are compelled by story. We know this. The brain is hardwired for story. We've been hearing that for the last several years. But now it's different because the art of storytelling in a way that makes sense with a client, a customer, a connection, a colleague, we're being more forthcoming with our story and our story is tied to our value proposition. I have hardwired now my story. I, I wouldn't say jerry-rigged, but my story is firmly attached to who I am as a professional, what it took to get here, what it took to, to go out on a limb and risk, put a lot of things at risk to pursue LinkedIn as a career at a time when the recession was starting when most people who were showing up at the events I was showing up at were out of work already, there was no business to be done at the time I started this. A lot of things had to happen and fall into place for me to have a career. And I, I hope they would. And thankfully they did. But now that's the story. That's what people I think want to hear. They want to hear that I'm not some self-declaring expert or a thought leader, but I'm finally attuned with people going through it on their end who are searching for narrative who are trying to find themselves in the business world because it ain't it ain't easy it truly isn't easy just look at the home page on linkedin you'll you'll hear from people trying to find themselves 
Absolutely. And you put air quotes around thought leaders, which I think is funny. I put air quotes around pretty much everything. I don't Michelle. think there is a quote unquote thought leader out there who thinks of themselves as thought leaders. God, can <laughs> we retire that term, please? I'm so damn sick of it. it you know what? I, I was into it for a while. I had my little love affair with thought leadership as a concept, Yep. but it has become a bogus buzzword and I, I I've retired it from my vocabulary thought <laughs> leadership is leadership yeah let, let, let's just use the term leadership shall we well and then and there's people with good ideas and there's people with advanced ideas and there's people with innovative ideas and there's people with creative ideas and all of which you know can stand out when they mm -hmm. articulate those uh and being able to provoke or creativity in others and i think that yeah. is um in itself has a profound ability and i think it's a skill set that um some people come about it naturally but they can't then articulate it in writing on their linkedin profiles or whatever and some of them uh just need that help to be able to draw it out of them and to be able to articulate in a way that they're just not used to like they're yeah. thinking about it and their brains are going a million miles an hour but when it comes to putting it out into a linear pen on paper it's it becomes different somehow. We're seeing an almost pathological drive for authority these days with many, many people, especially those who have kind of crossed over now into the realm of creator and mm -hmm. call themselves creators. That That's a term that stands a chance of approaching buzzword status too very soon. But creators create. Uh, it's not a job title. It, it's something that ideally enhances the value proposition and puts people out there. Uh, but it's not something that anybody would care about. Oh, you're a creator? Okay, well, can you still help me solve my efficiency problem in my warehouse? Uh, but people don't care. But what they, what we do see is that there is this drive now, this, this, this I've got to put myself out there and be the expert type of mentality. And, and I like it. I mean, I'm, I'd like to be thought of as kind of hip and uh, a figure, uh, an authority figure in my field. I've worked very, very hard. I hope it's recognized, but I don't draw attention to it. And I never say that stuff out of the first person. Well, which is why you hire marketing people to write it for you. Well, that's somebody, why you're writing the third person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, stuff like that sounds so much better coming out of the third person. It really right? does. It just well, does. It does. Well, and, and hopefully it's the right person that knows how to draw it out to make it interesting as opposed to <laughs> platitudes. True. True that. <laughs> Hashtag true that. Nice. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start the journey with you? Well, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that I do have a LinkedIn account. What? And I'm very searchable under my name on LinkedIn. You just have to figure out how to yeah, spell it. I'm gonna I'm gonna have people hunt me down like the dog <laughs> that I am and connect with me and get me on a Zoom call and then they'll just see how damn fun I can be. There you go. I love it. We will of course ha have your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, your websites, all that kind of fun jazz. Show notes. Show notes. Good. Good. I I was hoping I, that we were operating with a safety net. There's yeah. always the show notes. <laughs> exactly. In a shortcut crazy society, people won't watch the tape, but they will read the show notes. Or just fast forward down to the bottom. Or just the fast forward and see in, what yeah. they get. <laughs> yeah. What, what, did the guy, what was the last thing the guy said? Yeah. <laughs> Can I fast forward this? Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. I'm only talking about myself, of course. Awesome. So, GD, at what point in life did you know that you're a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Early on. 
I was in a I was in a family business growing up. My father's um, healthcare marketing business. My father was one of the most widely read cancer researchers of his day. I grew up in a very uh, scientific and artistic household, and I I'm pretty sure that in college, uh, even though I went through the motions of of maybe envisioning myself working at a at a company someday, I was groomed to be a doctor. That didn't happen. I fell into an industrial organizational psychology program, got a master's, got another MBA, felt that I could get hired in advertising, but maybe not getting hired was the best thing that happened because I don't think I could really do the corporate thing. Um, I, I just have always been more comfortable taking the risk, being my own boss, all those little cliches associated with entrepreneurialism. I love the idea of waking up and being challenged and having the playing field in front of me to improvise. Everything I've ever done has been improvised. I have had no blueprint, no roadmap. I, and I'm I still it. here to talk about it for God's sake. <laughs> I love it. JD, you have been awesome. Any last words for our peeps? No last words. I, I'm, I'm completely at a loss for last words. Um, You're a journalist, dude. Here's, here's what I would say. Here, here's here's <laughs> what I would say too. to totally sum up, if words. you will. Okay. <laughs> so there's a lot of uncertainty into the, in the world right now, as we know. GJD, what a profound last statement. A lot of VUCA, which is even a, a, a more complex term. You've got the, the V, you've got the volatility, you've got the uncertainty, you've got the complexity, you've got the ambiguity out there. Again, a lot of people just trying to intersect with the right people, the right opportunity at the right time. It's hard understanding people. It, we're all told to do that. Kindness, empathy. I mean, did, did anybody ever have to remind us to be kind to people? Uh, the A word, authenticity. I mean, all of these human characteristics are coming out and we're probably more in touch with our humanity as a species than we ever were before. There's just too much happening. And social media has really fueled the fire for that. I would say take a step back, relax, breathe, and go out there and do what you feel is right. Because again, in the end, it's not what I say or you say or any other YouTube tutorial tells you to do. It's about what you feel is inherently right. That's all I got. <laughs> and we'll probably have another episode with JD because we have more. <laughs> so. Well, only if people request it. There you go. Yeah. JD, Otherwise, you've been awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Michelle. Thank you. Peeps, thank you for being here with us today. If you know anybody that'd be a great guest for the show or a question or topic you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at Michelle at the Little Blue Pill for business.com. Or on LinkedIn and Facebook, of course. This is Michelle Nedlock, your mistress in business, helping you get it up and keep it up for yet another week. Thank you for listening to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast with your mistress in business, Michelle Nedlock. Why are you still here? Go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast, of course, so you won't miss any future episodes. Now, check the notes for links. Oh, and only tell your wife if she's into this, you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.